Right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the second epistle of John. Epistle is just a fancy word, it means letter. So the Apostle John in his writings, he didn't like to refer to himself directly. Um, so throughout the Gospel of John, he'd say the, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was kind of his code for who he was talking about when he had to mention himself. Um, here he just refers to himself as the elder. Um, so he is writing unto a particular uh, lady of the church and her children. Um, and wherever he's at, he happens to be with her sister or with the children of his, her sister. It's a short letter. Um, hopefully we can cover it all. I'm confident that we can. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only but also all they that have known the truth. So who all is loving her? Everybody that's known the truth loves her and her children. Whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. That's the opening of the letter. It says vaguely who it's from and kind of vaguely... To it's to, who it's to. Um, well, what's the real link that binds them together? Truth. truth. The truth. There is a supernatural, non-standard love that binds... <coughs> the members of the family of God together. The world can't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to them. And in fact, the preaching of the gospel itself is just foolishness to the carnal mind. And yet there is a bond and a connection between the brothers and sisters in Christ that is deeper than genetic bonds. We call that family, Right? Blood's thicker than water. Yeah. The blood of Jesus is thicker than any family blood you got. And so when we talk about one family, it is just that. We're not strangers. But we're all um, a part of one one family. And the, the link that binds us together is just that. The truth. Whom I love in the truth. Now there's the, the truth of the gospel. That is... That is important. And a lot of this letter is spent holding to that. But the gospel, the truth of the gospel, is based on something even greater than that. Is That is the truth. The person, the truth. It's God himself. Jesus Christ would identify himself in John 14 and 6, saying that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. 
gospels. Gospel just means good news. You could go around saying a whole lot of things. But if it's not centered on the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world because the Father commended His love unto you when you were yet sinners, to come and to take on your sin and reproach and offer Himself as a sacrifice and to take that fully upon Himself and to fully accomplish it so that He could purchase you to Himself, to redeem you from that debt that you bought with your sins, right? and the wages of that's death. He redeemed you from that by His work, and the Father accepted that. We know that because He's resurrected. He lives. He was admitted back in heaven to, to reign and intervene on, on high as your intercessor now and every day until He comes back to fetch you to glory. That's the truth. That's a truth that doesn't change. And all that's based on Him. <laughs> In John 18, Jesus would say that He came to bear witness to truth. And we know that He came to do the Father's will. And we know that He's the express image of the invisible God. So if he's bearing witness of truth, who's he bearing witness of? The Father. Came to do the Father's will. The Father is truth. The Son is truth. You know what the Holy Spirit is described at in John 14, 15-17? The Spirit of truth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. I can't explain the Trinity to you perfectly. I've got it. Probably the more I tried, the less perfectly I'd, I'd be given. There's, there's nothing to compare it to. It's the three in one God, three persons in the Godhead, and yet one God. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. This is a great mystery. <laughs> but it's true. This is truth. And this cannot be um, shirked can't be minimized, can't be have their edges rounded off. But that's what links us together. That God Himself has bound us. It says, For the truth's sake which dwelleth in us. Do you know that you have the truth dwelling within you? That's kind of amazing. That the Spirit of truth, that Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within you when you are born again by the Spirit, you have the truth in you. Elsewhere would say that He wrote His law upon your heart. Even if you've never heard the great news of Jesus Christ, the truth can dwell within you. So you ever wonder what you got in common with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Truth. Sometimes we kind of get narrow, right? Well, no one's in the exact stage of life that I'm in. <laughs> no one has the number of kids that I do or doesn't have, or whatever. We try to find, here's what I'm looking for in a church member. It's someone who's in the exact same situation as I'm in, so we can whine about it together. <laughs> I mean, support each other. <laughs> right? And it's not wrong to to desire that and have people in the same stage of life, that's fine. 
But sometimes we'll go as far as say, well, what? there's just nothing. I don't, no one's there who has anything in common with me. Wrong. <laughs> you have something that's unique, that cannot be purchased, that cannot be, you know, taken by force. You have a gift from God, and that is God Himself dwelling within you in that spirit of truth which teaches you of the Son. And every time you're in the Word, He'll call to mind those things that you've read at the time that you've need them. And so what did our Lord tell us how that all men would know that we're His disciples? If we love one another, love one to another, as I have loved you, So you have a connection that cannot be broken. That was the love of the Father put upon you. The love of the Son embodied love by laying down His life. And the love of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you and teaches you of the Son. That's a great connection. That's something you have in common. And you have a commandment from your Lord for all those that are in that same boat. Love them. Love them a little bit? No. Love them a lot of bit. Right? As Christ has loved you. Um, is there any greater demonstration than the level of love that Christ put forth? Right? Did He love in word only? No. He followed through in deed. Greater man hath no... Greater love hath no man than one who lay down the life for his friends. Alright? So he is able to write to this sister and her children, acknowledging that he loves her, loves her in the truth. And he's not the only one that loves her in the truth. All those that are in the truth will love as well. It's part of what was so special about going down to that meeting this weekend. I've never been to that church. I've never met the pastor. I knew one of the preachers who was going to be there. I don't know about it. You know how welcoming and loving and encouraging everybody I met was. Y'all, that's weird. <laughs> that ain't natural. <laughs> Alright? That's 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 supernatural. That's something that's that's a gift from God. Um not only that, it's a command. <laughs> If our Lord tells us to do something, we jolly well need to respect that. Whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Is the Holy Spirit ever going to abandon you? Is there anything you can do that can separate you from the love of God? No. Is there anything anybody else can do to you that can separate you from the love of God? What about Satan? Nope. He's a defeated foe. He's ornery and he's upset, but he's got limits. And he is not stronger than Christ. 
He can discourage you. He can make you wonder and doubt and question. He can open up pits and invite you to walk into them of temptation. But He is not stronger than our Lord. The truth's sake which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. He's requesting three things for them. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, this is asking for the showers of divine blessings that you don't deserve. (laughs) And he doesn't do it in a way of really pigeonholing God into any particular way to answer it. It's okay to pray for general grace, Lord, in the way that you see best fit, bless this individual with your grace. Sometimes we get a little dictatorial in our commands to God when they really should be humble requests. Brother Ben Cordes gave a good uh, acronym for how to pray, something to remember. What was it? Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adore God first. Confess your faults. Thank Him. And then finally, those petitions or supplications you need to ask. I thought that was a good good tool. Because praying for grace, those positive blessings that you don't deserve. But He's also praying for mercy, which is often a withholding of the things that you do deserve. <laughs> Right? There's, there's times that the consequences for my ineptitude could be real severe. And God in His mercy withholds those. His mercies are new every morning. And it's by them that we're not just completely consumed. You know, it sounds like such a real positive thing. That's written back in the book of Lamentations when literally Jerusalem is on fire. I mean, this is... Uh, the end of a great siege. Everyone's either dead, starving, or about to be captured and carried off. This was as bad as it gets, and yet the prophet could still say, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. And it's by them we're not just completely wiped out. And it was the Lord's mercy that preserved Judah, um, kept them a people through those years of captiv- captivity, and then later he would send them back um, using the Gentile heathen king to say, yeah, go. And he had given that king by name several hundred years before it happened. His mercies are new. Grace be with you, mercy, and peace. Y'all need peace in your life? There's, there's really kind of two kinds of peace, right? There's the internal peace and there's external peace. There's not a whole lot promised that we're going to have external peace in our life. There's a lot of 
tribulation and suffering and trials that are going to happen. But y'all, you can always have that internal peace. That's the one that's trusting in the one who's really in charge, not us. The one who really knows what's best. The truth of the completed work of Jesus Christ that even if this all goes to the worst by the world's standard and I lose my life, I'm still okay. Because Jesus is still in charge and His work can't be defeated. There's a real comfort in that. We often lose that when we look away from the Lord and we start trying to figure out how we can fix all the external stuff and then get agitated as our you know, house of cards tumbles down over and over again. So, if you don't know what to pray for today, for yourself and for the rest of your brothers and sisters, pray for grace and mercy and peace. And the source from all those is the same. From God, the Father. I want you all to pay attention to that word, little the. Right? Not just a father. Not just a son here. It's God, the Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of the Father in truth and love. This is, this is an exclusive role. The Father. We're talking about a very specific individual, the person in the Godhead, the Father and the Son. And that Son's role has been elevated to the Lord of all, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. That's who you're praying to. If you're anything like me, I need to elevate the level of fear and honor that I'm giving when I'm trying to pray to the Father and the Lord, the Son of the Father. This is someone very high, very mighty, very powerful, very gracious and loving, and I've been given access to go to Him. but not to be treated lightly. Son of the Father, in truth and in love. So again, you see this theme of truth and love bound together. Love of the Father, love of the Son, love of the Son for His people. They're all, they are truth, and we are living out that truth that dwells within us. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Here, Apostle John has known this sister's children and he has come to a spot where they're at and he's found they're still faithfully following to walk uh, in the truth involves not just a passive knowing of it, right? But it permeates your whole life. To 
walk about in the truth. This is your conversation. This is your manner of life. This is something that can be seen of are you living out the truth. And he did. He came upon them, and, and what happened? He rejoiced greatly. You know that your faithful service can be an encouragement to others. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in the truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee. I'm begging you. I'm asking you, lady. And that, that term lady is a term of respect. It's the feminine form of Lord. So this is, this is very, this is not by any means um, derogatory. And now I beseech thee, uh, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. I'm begging you to continue and follow that commandment that we already had, love one another. That was one of the last things Jesus would say to his disciples after washing their feet in John 13. Is that a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so now you're some years down the road after Jesus has been crucified. He has been resurrected. He has ascended. And now the churches are having to continue in the truth without Christ there to constantly be correcting them. Did the disciples have it all figured out while they were with him for three and a half years? New. (laughs) And so there's the the repetition, reminding, keep standing fast, keep doing the right thing. If your preacher's not repeating himself, he's probably not doing his job. If I'm trying to come up with some new thing that no one's ever heard, then odds are I'm making something up. I'm beseeching you, follow through that commandment. We've had it from the beginning that you love one another. All right? Now, the world will just say, stop there. Okay? Say, God is love. There's, there's nothing else. It's just, I can get along with anybody. Kumbaya. The next verse says, and this is love. That we walk after his commandments. If we want to walk in truth, if we want to walk in the path that pleases our Heavenly Father, we have to know what pleases Him. We have to know where that straight and narrow way is. That life of discipleship and growing and following Christ, there is His way, and then there's all others. And if we love one another, we're going to be striving and encouraging and provoking one another to each walk in that way that follows His commands. Love is not just I'm accepting you for you doing you, doing you and I'll do me. Right? Love is telling us enough, is loving each other enough to tell us the hard truths. Right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's in Proverbs. You say, that just, that sounds disturbing. A real friend will tell you the truth. Right? Sometimes we get off base. There may be a time when you've got to pull me aside and say, Brother John, you're off base. You haven't considered this or whatever. Um, that's not easy to do. Right? And put yourself out there um, in a way that could cause hard feelings. Right? 
But if we're speaking the truth in love, right? You see these these concepts. I'm going to keep closing this thing over and over again. These concepts are just linked together. The truth and the love. If we're telling the truth in love, and our goal is not to upbraid somebody and make them feel sorry and low down. It's that we want them to follow the right way with us. Right? And so being willing to tell hard truths is a hallmark of love. Do it again in the right attitude, in the right um, manner. This is love that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So why do we have to constantly be loving and reminding and walking about in His commandments? Because there's going to be folks who are trying to teach you something different. And it's bad enough when it's just someone in the world who has no regard for Christ. But it's really dangerous when it's someone who's trying to do it in the name of Christ or in the name of God. Walk in His commandments. You should walk in it for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Um, folks sometimes use that word antichrist uh, generally. Um, it really is a combination of two words. One, Christ, Messiah, and the other is anti, opposite, an opponent of the Messiah. Um, that word actually doesn't appear in Revelation. <laughs> it's just in John's writing. Um, the deceiver has got the idea of uh, roving, like a tramp. This kind of gives you that word picture of Satan, right? As a lion prowling about, seeing whom he would devour. The deceiver is an imposter, a misleader. It's the same word that's used over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, I'll flip there and read it to you if you don't have to, if you don't want to. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 um, says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. The truth. Depart from the truth. Giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So that word seducing is the same word we've got over here with deceivers. For many deceivers are entered into the world. So at this time, you know, what's... What are they trying to teach? They're trying to teach that Jesus Christ was never really here. That He wasn't a man. Um, I don't know if they were saying He was just a spirit or He didn't exist at all. I don't, I don't know. Um, our problem tends to be the other extreme, right? People will say Jesus is just a man. He was a good man, a good teacher, but He wasn't God. Well, or they'll even make an outlandish claim that he never claimed to be God. They clearly haven't read. <laughs> the Jews who were there knew exactly what Jesus was saying. 
Um, if I can find it, it's over, oh, I think it's in John. John 5, 18. Scribes and Pharisees were upset because he had uh, healed somebody on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, and so they took it so far that it's not even permissible to do the work of healing someone. And Jesus turned to him and said, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Basically, you know, God who's sustaining the universe, who's allowing it to continue to spin, he does that on Sabbath days too, and I work also. Therefore, what was the response? The Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, that was bad enough to him, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus identified who he was. He is God. But at that time, there were those who claimed he had never even come in flesh. In our day, tends to be they claim he's only flesh. These are deceivers. These are ones who don't know the scriptures. Or if they do, they intentionally twist and distort speaking lies. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. All right? Nerves don't do too well after you've been branded with a hot iron, right? You know? This is a deceiver and an antichrist, an opponent of Christ. So walking in the truth, walking in the commandments, this is important because there will be many opportunities to be led astray, to depart from the truth, to depart from the faith. Sometimes faith is a summary for the whole truth of the gospel. So verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Okay. Does this have anything to do with your eternal salvation? What are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about the truth of the gospel. Basically saying, be on guard. You are blessed to know the truth. Don't let that fall away. The word lose means to destroy fully. If you change the truth of the gospel, does it become another gospel? Not really. It's just a sorry, perverted distortion. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, which we've toiled in, which the apostle has gone and taught them, wherever they're at. I mean, you can see Paul going all over the place, and he's teaching a whole bunch of folks. And then often he have to send letters back to them and say, Hey, go back to what I said. It doesn't change. It's still true. Why are you allowed to change? Even if I came back and taught you something different than I originally taught you, I would be wrong, right? Even if an angel appears unto you and preaches another gospel, let them be accursed. Accursed is a big deal. And so this is a warning. This is a, this is a challenge to, to guard yourself. Um that we may receive a full reward. You're not going to earn heaven as a reward. That's not what's under consideration at all. 
But y'all, if the truth sets you free and you get to walk in the liberty of the truth of Jesus Christ and depend on Him and what He's done and being secure and all that, if you depart from that truth, you walk away from that. You can bind yourself with chains of heavy burdens. Well, if I leave here and I get in a fight with my spouse and I plow my car into a tree and I haven't repented of that sin, well, maybe I could go to hell. If you've got the truth, you know you can't separate yourself from the love of God. But if you've departed from it, that could be a real burden to operate under. How fearful. Or it's up to me to make sure my children do whatever, check whatever box, say the right prayer to make sure they don't go to hell. What kind of parent would I be if I don't check that box? Truth says that's not your responsibility. Your job is to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if they're the Lord's, He'll reveal Himself to them. And they're already His and they're already paid for. <coughs> and so, losing that full reward means you lose the full benefit of the truth of the Gospel. You don't get to enjoy that comfort and peace and security purchased by Jesus Christ here and now. Whosoever transgresseth, transgresseth to transgress and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. So here you've got these people who are saying Jesus Christ, He never came as a man. Well, they're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, right? Doctrine of Christ, that's the summary for the gospel, the whole truth. Like, it's, it's all one story. You can't just pluck out a piece. So if Jesus didn't come, well, you're kind of missing a pivotal point there. He abideth not in the doctrine, remaining in the doctrine of Christ. He hath not God. And Jesus said He is the way. He didn't misspeak and mean a way. There is no access to God the Father. There is no access to heaven to be in God's presence but by Jesus Christ. If Christ is rejected, you're rejecting the Father too. You can't pick and choose. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father, and the Son. You don't get Christ without the Father. These three are one. You get the Holy Ghost too. <laughs> and so his admonition to her is that if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God the eternal Son, that He is the Word, that He came into the world and took on flesh and lived a sinless life and suffered and bled and died for you and was resurrected from the grave after three days and then ascended up to His Father. All this, if they don't bring this and they try to come to 
don't receive them into your house. Right? At that time, many churches were held in homes. This is not someone you need to come and have speak to your church. Not someone to come stay in the house. Now, you think about the dispersion um, after the persecution in Jerusalem. Everybody scattered. Said only the apostles really remained at that point. And so you've got a bunch of people who are believing in Jesus Christ, and they're all traveling to different locales, right? And so it might not have been uncommon to have somebody you've never met show up and start trying to talk about God and having some distortion or version. Now, there's not a whole lot of door-to-door preachers today, um, but y'all, sometimes you invite it in on your phone, on the radio, on TV. Right? We need to be careful what we listen to. Amen. Not just accept things for face value. And this, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be, I will never intentionally deceive y'all. But everything I say, I fully expect. And y'all have the responsibility to go back to the Word and check it out. I can make mistakes. I ain't Christ. But I love you, and I'm going to do my best to tell you the truth. I cannot say the same for everyone that you will come in contact with. And so our admonition to prove, which means test, test all things and hold fast to that which is good, is very true. And there's a lot of subtlety within just slight shades. And if you go that far, then you can go this far, you can go this far. And it's Satan a smart fella, right? If he came up to you with a big sign and said, Here, have some heresy! You go, No! But something that looks close and kind of appealing and kind of like something I've heard before, but I don't really go back and examine or question or check. Well, maybe I'll eat that whole pie before I realize the middle is rotten. There come any unto you and bring not this doctrine. Receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. Godspeed, it can be a a greeting or it can be ascending on your way. It literally means cheerful. Don't give him your blessing. Yeah, go with God. Carry on. Do the good work. Because if they don't have Christ, you don't want to be associated with that. Am I careful about who I invite to come and speak to y'all? Very much so. I want to make sure that somebody that's known and respected and that I can trust is trying their best to teach you the truth. Receive him not in your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. That's kind of scary. Right? You're putting a, a mark of approval, if you will, on somebody. And it could just be because we were careless. And we weren't listening closely. 
there's a there's a real danger. Um, there's a lot of bad information out there. You want a lot of bad information? Google, Google a theological question. Yeah. You will have a hundred million bad answers. Because who filters the internet? Nobody. <laughs> right? Anybody can put anything they want out there. Um, and they do. Of any persuasion. And Titus chapter 1. Part of the reason um, Titus was having to ordain elders. Part of their job was to be able to exhort and convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. So these are those who are natural Jews going around and teaching things, taking on pieces of Christianity, pieces of following Christ, but layering in uh, elements of the law. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. So one of the motivations, one of the motivations for false teachers, if it's not power, is money. You're like, I'm shocked. Right? That's kind of true with, with most things. You want to see what someone's motivation is. Follow the money trail. Right? And so these folks were coming in and they were overturning faithful houses, those who had been following Christ, teaching them the wrong thing. It says they're subverting the whole thing. And so we need to be on guard and have uh, have discipline. This is part of part of why we go to come together. Part of why we're reading at home. Part of why we're taking ownership of making sure that we have internalized <coughs> the truth and are ready to defend it. Um, over in Ephesians four, talks about us growing up. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I don't even have to make a good argument for you. I can just kind of suggest it. And you're like, oh, well. And then someone blows the other. Oh, well, that's pretty nice, right? That's, that's, that's not stability. That's not being rooted and grounded in the truth. No more children carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. You ever seen street performers doing little magic tricks? Right? This is just the verbal form of that. They're pulling the verbal sleight of hand and deceiving. And cunning craftiness. There's some smart fellers. And lying. <laughs> Whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's some intentionality in there. But what do we do? But speaking the truth in love grow up into Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. What is it all pointing back to? It's all pointing back to Christ over and over and over again. That's what we want to grow up to. That's what we want to look like. That's what we want to act like. That's what we want to walk in. Verse 12, Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come see you and speak face to face that our joy <coughs> may be full. There is a tangible, real benefit of face to face fellowship that can't be replicated um, by text, by FaceTime, 
by uh, email or any other form of letter. Um, and so John wrote a very short letter. Here's something I need you to know. I need you to be on guard. And I suspect there's, there was some motivation for this, that there was probably a particular danger that may have been coming their way, and he wanted them to be ready. Um, and having a lot more he'd like to say, he's just going to trust. I'm going to get, I'm going to get you, get to see you soon. Our joy may be full. And he closes out, The children of thy elect sister greet thee. Amen. Thank you all for your time and attention.